Ding donger with a mad bronger. Ding donger with a mad bronger is the Ding donger with a mad bronger. Ding donger with a mad bronger. Yeah. Alrighty. Great. That's how I like to start a podcast. Just answer someone that you guys can't hear. Hey, welcome to uh, Ding Donger with Matt Bronger. Thanks for picking me up, as always. Um, we are uh, now pretty much a, a, a full-time me listening and then responding uh, podcast. So that's fun. I hope everyone's uh, holidays are going well. Uh, it's holiday season. Uh, make sure not to go too insane. Don't spend too much money. Don't uh, uh, imbibe or eat way too much. But, you know, this is where it's, it's, it's a little okay to indulge. Um, my, uh, my gal and I uh, indulge a little bit uh, too much last night. We're good. We're fine. But um, we found out they... Uh, we 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 got our offer accepted on a house. We've been looking for a house forever, so knock on wood, we hopefully we got it. But now we're in the inspections period where it's like you know escrow as it's known, and just I'm just expecting because it's a fixer up. I'm expecting someone to come in and go, oh no, they're they not only is uh, all the wiring uh, lethal. Like if you try to turn a light switch on, it'll kill you. Um, it, this place is horrifically cursed. Uh, everyone here who's lived here has, has died horrifically. Did you get a good deal? No, we had to outbid like three people. Oh, wow. They really, this is a tough neighborhood. Yeah. I think where we found a place exactly where we want to live though. So I think even if it was a, like a, we found out there's a real curse and curses existed, my wife would be like, yeah, but how bad a curse? Like how bad though? Um, so uh, on that, let's, uh, let's take the first call. Hey, Matt. Uh, so uh, I think my question is, uh, I, I think that uh, I've studied theater my whole life. I've been wanting to be a performer my whole life, and uh, just lately I've, I've started sort of like uh, focusing in on, on stand-up because it's the one permanence uh, in my life that has um, made me happy, I suppose. Uh, the biggest question I have for you is uh, the focus. Uh, that you find, do you think it's uh, it's something that uh, people find organically, or or do you think it's uh, something that 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 people sort of uh, find uh, by by sort of uh, uh, stepping up to the plate, uh, so to speak? I, I feel like my whole life, uh, I've I've always found it very hard to. Uh, to just do anything because I figure everybody else can do it. You know, like, uh, how many fucking people out there and how special am I, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know if that's a question, but uh, do you have an answer or, or a riff to that? Uh, I hope you're doing well. I uh, love you, man. Thank you. Thank you for making my life happier. Hey, thanks, dude. Uh, thanks for calling in. Um, and uh, well, look as as for a riff, I think you're say, you're asking like how do you how do you keep the focus? How do you uh, keep rolling when maybe you're not necessarily being as successful as you as you can be or are? And uh, like you know, uh, and why why are you why are you doing it? Um, uh, you know, when so many other people are doing it, uh, the riff uh, I would say is basically I would compare it to. Um, going to work when you're stoned. Now, here's the thing. I can't, I could never do that when I was younger and used to smoke a lot more uh, than now. But, like, it, it, I had friends that would do it. I had friends who could do anything high, and I couldn't. I would get in my own head. I was a waiter. I would get there. You know, I'd walk in the door and be like, nah, 
Uh-uh. I'm I'm sick today. Um, so I think it's it, the the great thing about stand up for you is that you love it. You're not doing this thing as an arduous, you know, chore, just tr- trying to get cast in roles as an actor, trying to get noticed through stand up. I mean, you know, maybe you are a little bit, but you know, you really can't. That's that's not a way to to focus yourself. The cool thing is. Uh, you want to do it because you want to do it. So for you, it's like getting stoned and going to a water park, and that's great. Uh, if, if Whether you can make a living at it, that's what's tough. But the great thing about it is it's always there. You're not calling me saying, I've always wanted to be a teen model, when I can tell by your voice, you definitely are not. Uh, neither am I. But it's, it's you know, the, the, the way to keep focus is just keep writing stuff that you find funny and um, you know, just uh, uh, switch it up. It's almost like like muscle memory. You wanna you wanna try doing uh, different rooms and 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 get some travel and try to go on the road, uh, stuff like that. Because like I said, stand up will always be there, and it'll never go away. You can do it all your life. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it, in terms of you, you worried like oh, it, like there's there's a million of us. There are, but not. Listen, not everyone's gonna hang in there. Uh, not everyone's going to keep doing it. Um, I loved uh, uh, Michael Keaton had a had a great quote in an interview talking about you know because he started out doing stand up and then he went on to doing you know being America's favorite dude and he uh, and who by the way you saw the new if you ever see the new Spider Man I watched it again on a on a on a, in a on a plane he's so fucking good in that movie um, but uh, he once said like he'd go into audition rooms when he was getting into acting. And, or you would work on a movie with somebody or some actor would say like, oh, you, did, you were stand-up, huh? And he was like, yeah. And they're, and they're like, eh, I never tried that. And he would just laugh. He's like, oh, yeah, you tried it. You never tried that. When, you know, it's not the hardest thing in the world, but it ain't easy. And not everyone can do it. So, you know, you love it. Um, so, so there's no reason to stop. And, and just because maybe you're not doing as well as you should, don't let that in, in, hold you back. I mean, I've I've had my... My my downs way more than I've had my ups in this business, and that's why you kind of gotta not put your whole, you know everything um, you know in, in into just that, and don't don't let that be the key to your happiness or not, you know, because it's supposed to make it's supposed to be fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, thanks thanks for calling. Uh, let's get another call. Hey, uh, my name's Josh. I'm uh, 26 years old, and I have terrible taste in women. Uh, I think I've only had uh, one girlfriend that lasted longer than a year, and I just seem to always be attracted to toxic women, have terrible taste, and, uh, you know, it's just like junk food. I keep I keep getting the mac and cheese instead of the, the kale chips. So uh wondering how you think I can go about correcting this, and uh, I just, I, I mean, the crazies just have the best sex, you know? That's kind of my, that's kind of my Achilles heel. Anyway, thanks. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> First off, I wouldn't look at women as food, but I know where you're com- you're coming from. Um, you want someone that's that that's not going to be toxic. Uh, let me put you straight, man. Uh, I'm, you know, I I got a couple decades on you. Uh, nice chicks fuck well. I'm just going to tell you right now. Sorry, that that sounds uh, very hard <laughs> to anyone listening, but. You know, you, look, you just got to find the right one. Look, I mean, really, what are you attracted to? I, I think, see, if, like, it just to look at it from my perspective, what I would do often, I think we all do this, is I was attracted to someone who was not, uh, who, was, who, was, who was distant 
or would, you know, string me along. Just because everybody everybody has that weird thing where we're attracted to somebody if if that person is is just not like all altogether present with you. It's attractive. People like mysterious. <laughs> That's okay. What what just happened there? Did I? I, I now we've entered uh, Mario Land. Uh, I think I got a gold coin. Um, just kick this turtle. Weird. Uh, so uh, no, but it it or it's yeah. I when you know people are attracted to people that are mysterious, and uh, sometimes there's someone's kind of nuts that makes them mysterious too, and. Um, yeah, man. I mean, look, you're only 26. The fact that you've had a relationship that's been longer than a year and you're 26, that's not bad, man. Uh, I think I was maybe, well, I guess I was 24 when I had one that lasted a couple of years, but that's not an anomaly. But I mean, that, look, that's not, that's not terrible. I would, <laughs> if you're actually going to date somebody, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe take a step back and realize you've got a shitload of time so you don't have to necessarily jump into uh, a relationship with someone who may or may not be, uh, as you put it, crazy. Uh, I'm assuming you mean it's like a toxic person, and and yeah, that's that's not that's not good. Um, I think uh, I think branch out, man. Uh, try try talking to, uh, you know, going on a few dates rather than kind of uh, jumping into. And I think that the way to recognize when you have that kind of behavior is just you got to catch yourself. You got to go, oh wait, why am I attracted to this person? Because uh, you know, I've I've dated people that have been toxic for me, and um, and we've been toxic for each other, and it's you know because you have these ups ups and downs. You know the the sometimes sometimes the sex seems like it's so much better, but eh, you should try to make it kind of good all around. <laughs> eh, oh, mac and cheese and kale chips, you're ridiculous. Uh, but best of luck to you, man. Um, you know, it's funny. We had the, a conversation with the guy who was looking at our uh, looking. He did. The, he snaked the the uh, camera cord down into the um, into the sewage pipes to show us that they were like fine. So we don't have to repair those. Thank God. But then he came in the house and was just. We were just talking about uh, relationships. He was like, he's like, how long have you guys been together? And I was like, oh, almost two months. He's like, oh, hey, congratulations. And he's like, yeah, you know, I I divorced my. Uh, my kid's mother a while ago, which is like, that's such a strange way to say it. Like, okay, I guess I know what you mean. And he's like, but now she's so great and I love her. And I, he'd, he'd, he'd begun talking about someone else, but it was the weirdest thing. It literally sounded like he was like, well, the woman who I had kids with, uh, we divorced. Uh, and now things have never been better. Now we're, now we're, 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 we're truly in love, which I wonder, you know, like who am I to judge if he had been like my gal and I used to, be in the biz together, as a long-time listeners know. And we figured out that us not working together was kind of the key to make us not tear each other's heads off. Uh, and so I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who are like, yeah, now that we're divorced, we're, 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 we're gangbusters. It's great. That was the one thing was that marriage license that just got in the way. That and the fact that we're, well, well neither one of us are attracted to each other at all. So we just hold hands. A lot of my uh, like gay friends had like longtime girlfriends, and Christ, I feel bad for those girls. But you know, sometimes you can you can your 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 level of affection uh, for someone now, uh, you you mistake it when you're younger. And that's down with the caller I was saying before. It's just kind of like you know, and you're also dude like you're you're 26. I mean, 
you have you still you still have hormones in you that are driving you insane. Um, I guess you know since uh, this is a you know advice from a from a uh, a, uh, a shithead, you know, I'd say jack off more. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It'll clear your head up. Uh, and just do it in private, not on the bus. Okay, let's do another call. Matthew, this is your grandfather. Bev missed you for Thanksgiving. We're calling to find out why you didn't show. <laughs> Bev made your pecan pie and turkey and some of that tofu stuff for your girl, and you didn't show up, and we're concerned. I know Los Angeles can treat people odd and change them, and we were hoping that it wouldn't do it to you, but apparently it has. Please call Bev. She's worried. And there's so much pie. I can't eat it anymore. Well, uh... Can't tell which of my dead grandfathers that is, uh, but um, evidently one of them, uh, way up there in heaven, is dating someone named Bev and got a hold of a phone. Um, you know, if I had to pick one, maybe it was my Grandpa Max. Uh, thanks for your service, Grandpa. Uh, he flew B-2 bombers in, the, in World War II and the big one, uh, and he flew uh, supplies in and wounded back over the Himalayas. No shit. And this is going to sound like crap, but he uh, literally had elephants loading supplies into his into his plane. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't think that's him. Maybe it's him. Or, but my grandpa Joe was a lawyer in Chicago. And, uh, no, I don't think it was either one of the. Yeah, obviously that's just someone goofing off, which, hey, fine. That's fine. Um but uh, yeah, you got me thinking about my grandpas, so that's nice. They're, those are they're both both uh, uh, great gentlemen. Uh, my <laughs> my grandpa Matt. I was just telling this to somebody the other day. My my, uh, you know how some people drive way too late in life, like an old person who's you know driving a massive Oldsmobile and just you know tearing paint off of cars around him as he weaves his way uh, up the up uh, up the five uh, highway. My grandfather flew a plane too long. So, and he was, you know, he was a military guy. So he would go until the fuel light was not only on, but his engine started going, like started like failing. That's when he'd land. He had like no, no fear of, of crashing. Uh, true story. My uncle Mark flew with my grandfather, like cause my grandpa would just rent prop planes, flew. He flew my, my uncle to my parents' wedding. My uncle Mark jumps out of the plane after they'd landed, cursing, uh, kisses the ground, and runs up to my dad and hands him a wad of cash and says, I'm buying your car. I'm never flying with that again. True story. It's a... <laughs> Give me your car. My dad's like, hey, you got some money now. Maybe we should have a kid. Uh, let's uh, let's hear the next call. Hey, Matt. First, long, first time, long time. Right, brother? Oh. <laughs> Oh, shit. Anyway, I know you just got married and everything's all upside fuck ridiculous, but riddle me this, fucker. If you had to give up one thing for the holidays, would it be booze or weed? Kaboom, right? <laughs> all right. Look forward to the response. Thanks, man. You're the best. Hey, man, uh, riddle me this, fucker, is a great podcast title, so you should you should work on that. Um 
You know, you could put the little asterisk in the in the place of the U. Maybe get you on iTunes. Um, yeah, that's, look, man. That, honestly, that's a really easy one for me because I just don't smoke that much weed. So I would give up. I would give up weed. I I have a whole bit now. I've been closing with it lately about about how I'm just I'm not good at marijuana. I'm not great at. I should be a ninja for as much as I've I've practiced. I first smoked weed at age nine, Portland, Oregon, fourth grade. And uh, yeah, not to do the bit, but I went over to my friend Jeff's house. Jeff had what you call cool parents, which just means bad parents. That's all that means. You know, hey, what are you, 10? You're old enough for a beer. I don't want one, Dad. Dad, fuck that. Call me Rusty. You're screwed. Uh, You're not going to turn out okay. You got a real cool dad uh, with a real cool mustache. And a real cool bunch of other illegitimate kids. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I mean it'd be, it'd be weed, no question, no question. I've I have friends who would probably stare off into the distance for hours before they decide. But um, yeah, as for me, as for me, it's it's uh, it's pot. You know, I mean, the holidays. Are, you know, we we don't we don't think about how how toxic the holidays holidays can be. How much you kind of uh, just I my thing with Christmas time is I always would like stare down the barrel of my own future. I'd always be like, ah, remember, I think of Christmas pasts and think how much better they were, and they weren't, you know? Nostalgia is just you kind of, in a sense, yeah, you know, uh, poisoning your perspective to a degree. And I, I, I'm a really nostalgic person. I'm someone who would, like, look back and be like, oh, man. I remember being, oh, I was, where was I? I think I was in college, you know, drinking malt liquor with a friend. Uh, and, uh, uh, we were looking at a picture from when we were in like junior high, and it was like a sunset, and we were like standing like in a, the behind our school or something, and we were about to go to some school dance and get turned down by women. We asked to slow dance, you know. And I remember looking at it, and I was like in college, a young man. I was like, man, no sunsets like that anymore. What the fuck are you talking about? Yes, there are every day. Like, come on. I mean, there's there's something to be said for uh, you know. Uh, that's how maybe the air was cleaner a long time ago, things like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it is what you make it. And and so in terms of in terms of you know boozing it up or, or getting high, just don't feel pace yourself. Don't feel like you have to slam it all in your face at once and you know be as as drunk as as the idea of Santa. Whoever came up with Santa was probably plowed as shit. Um, and uh, you know, and Krampus, of course, the anti Santa. Uh, the uh, the Satan Claus Krampus, um, yeah. So and 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 that extends to not just booze and weed, but also um, you know, could be uh, sex. I know people. You know, when you when you are thirsty for companionship, you'll kind of just hang out in the bars and 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 find somebody to you know do dirty things with and all that jazz. Just just kind of pull you know yourself and you know within yourself and kind of just take a second and go. All right, look, it's just. It's just the end of the year. It's just cold. There's just, you know, lights everywhere and, and, and colors and people give each other presents. I shouldn't be, you know, I should be, I should be very happy. I should be, um, you know, taking care of myself, but I shouldn't get too in the dumps. I feel like anytime you like your, your happiness pendulum swings one direction, it has a tendency to swing way back in the other one. You know, like we all kind of get the, the doldrums in, in January and, and you know, it's, I mean, let's be honest. The only reason people talk about uh, New Year's resolutions is because they get so fat and drunk over over, 
over the holidays. So anyway, yeah, so it'd be booze. That's that's not a that's not a tough one um, for me. God, I was in speaking of booze. I was in Milwaukee uh, last um, over the weekend, this past weekend. Uh, first off, anybody who came to uh, Underground Collaborative, thank you so much. That was a that was a real insane blast. Um, and uh, Adam Burke was uh, fantastic, uh, who opened for me. And Milwaukee's great. Milwaukee uh, is trying to kill you with alcohol. Uh, bars sell everything for criminally low prices. People drink old fashions at lunch. It's pretty bananas. And um, Adam, uh, jerk that he is, introduced me to something called setups. Setups are when. Uh, <laughs> The bar will have you. If you have Instagram, go to at Bronger and you can see a picture I took. Uh, excuse me, behind the bar, I took it from you know the 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 patron side, and I took a picture. And there's a bartender showing it with a flourish, like Vanna White or something. Just a wall of tiny airplane liquor bottles, just a wall of them, and that's because they sell setups. Setups are when you get two bottles of, they give you, for like six or maybe $7, you get two bottles of um, uh, airplane, uh, uh, two airplane bottles, excuse me, of booze, uh, a glass with ice, and a can of soda. That's a setup. So you're just buying a double every time if if you pour it, you know, at the same time. And people were and do, and it's bananas. Um... But it's a between that between the booze and the cheese. I don't know how people live past fifty there. Uh, but it's um it's a it's a hell of a town, and uh, I love playing the Midwest. Um, it's funny. I'll tell this story. Uh, I was thinking back. There used to be a place there called the Comedy Cafe that was uh, that was connected. That was run by some guys uh, in the in the in the in the nefarious uh, crime business, uh, allegedly. Uh, one guy, he would, you'd come and get your check from him and there'd be a gun on the, on his desk, just sitting there. Um, and, uh, but you know, he, even if you didn't sell a lot of tickets, he would buy you a steak. Uh, that's what, that's one thing I always like (laughs) point out, uh, that, uh, like say what you want about the mafia. They pay you exactly what they promise you. You know, like capitalism is their religion. If they short you a dollar, it's on them. That's an unforgivable crime. Uh, so I'm not saying the mob should run things, but you get what I'm saying. But uh, anyway, one night, I never actually played, played, played that place, but I did a couple sets there, just like guest sets. And one night, back in, boy, I'm going to say 2000, maybe 2001, uh, Kyle Kinane and I were there doing sets. And Kyle's on stage, and he's doing well, and he's riffing, and he's just, and Kyle doesn't, this is what's crazy, Kyle doesn't really do crowd work. He never really has. Uh, He hates it. You know, he just wants to get through his jokes and then go back to operating his tiny lighthouse. You know, I can rip on him if I want to. But he uh, he he singled out a, a, a skinny older man in the audience that had a bright yellow hat on. And his hat was like, just like a a, a beacon. You know, it was like, a, like just a, a, a huge light. And uh, Kyle's like, hey, what's with this fucker? That's a nice bright hat, buddy. And the guy didn't really react. He just kind of kind of just st- sat up a little straighter but he looked like I could only see him from the back and as if uh it was like you ever have someone just appear next to you like they're Batman like a guy just appeared next to me and just nudged me hard and looked and I was like what man 
And the guy, I forget if it was a comic, I forget it was someone that worked at the club, but he was like, tell him stop. And I was like, what? He's like, tell Kyle stop. And he's like, why? And the guy goes, that, that's a button man that he's making fun of. And a button man is a murderer, is a, 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 basically a hitman. It's a, it's a slang term for a guy you pay to kill someone for you. And so this guy just, and, his, and I just looked at Kyle and just gave him the, the cut it, you know, from across, just uh, f- furiously waved my hand under my chin in the sign of stop. And Kyle just stopped and moved on to something right away. Like he just dropped it like a hot rock. <laughs> like he saw the look in my eyes, like you're going to get us buried in a frozen field in Wisconsin, dude. Step it. Um, so that's a fun story from the world of comedy. <laughs> it's great. Uh, and if you've read, if you've, if you haven't read, we think of gift ideas. Um, you should check out Cliff Nestroff's The Comedians, and uh, one of the most amazing things I learned from that book. And it's a, it's a history of American comedy. That the term stand-up comedian doesn't come from standing up. It comes from the fact that the mob used to run all of all entertainment, burlesque. Um, you know, vaudeville, stand-up, and when stand-up was coined, you just called people comedians. But then the term stand-up comedian comes from the mob phrase, a stand-up guy. That's what the term's from. It doesn't come from this he or she is standing up. It comes from, oh, he's a connected comedian. You know, it's so that it just is amazing. So, yeah, that's a quick recommendation I didn't even, you know, plan on, on doing, but um, you should pick that up. Uh, let's do another call. Hey, Matt. Name's Larry. Um, been listening to the show for a long time. It's awesome. I first want to start this call by saying we met in Peoria, mm-hmm. Illinois, and I was just one step too drunk to be talking to another human being. And I'm also a huge fan, so I was super nervous to speak to you face to face. And therefore, I sounded like a complete fucking idiot. Uh, but you were super kind and patient and uh, signed the the album that uh, my wife and I bought, and you were just awesome. And so I just wanted to say thank you for that, for not sucking, because uh, you really could have uh, kicked a, uh, a drunk asshole to the curb. And I was trying to converse and, and be cool, and I was not. And you were just really nice about it, so thank you. So I got two questions. Um, now that I've done that, <laughs> hey, super duper, now that I've... Grease the wheel. Let me ask you two questions. Uh, first, holiday. Uh, I come from a divorced family, and I myself am divorced and remarried. I know it's a shock. Statistics. Who knew? Um, so I have several families, and and by that I mean you know from my dad and my mom, and now my my ex-wife and and current wife and her family, and and like I don't have several secret families. That would be weird. Um, I don't make enough money. But so everyone wants to have time over Christmas and we have to share the kids. And what's what do you feel is the best way to to, I don't know, tell people here's the only time we have. We've been doing this for a while and there's never been a good way. So here's the time that we have. And this is all we can do. Um, And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So what's what's the best way to handle that? Uh, do you do you feel murder? I don't know. Uh, that's that's extreme. See, and now I'm, I'm being stupid again. The other question is um, submitting uh, to to I'm, I'm I, I I am dipping my toe in the, in comedy and been doing it for a little while. And uh, 
So I've been submitting to festivals, and I, I've heard the rule that no edited videos, but, but what if you have a longer set, uh, a good set, and you take that and make kind of a, a I don't want to say a best of reel, but, um, you know, you take that, that long, good set and you condense it down to here's the, the best five minutes out of this same night. Is that, I've heard that that is tacky. Um, it's been a debate amongst me and some of the, uh, the guys that I'm, I'm working with. So I just was, you know, curious what your take on that was. Hey, thanks for letting me ramble for a really long time. Uh, you're awesome. And, and I, yeah, that's it. Okay. And we're out of time. Thanks for, uh, uh, call. No. Um, yeah, no worries, man. It's all good. Ramble. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, first off, no need to apologize. I don't remember any talking to anyone that was, that was in particular, that was any sloppier than anyone else or whatever. So rest your, rest your mind at ease. And also, uh, <laughs> Jesus, when I played Peoria, that's one of the only times I've ever snapped on stage. And it was because of a bunch of drunk dudes. And you were definitely not with them because they were, you know, uh, barely of, of legal drinking age. Um, I just, I just, I, these, this table of dudes, evidently on a bachelor party, um, where they wouldn't stop talking to each other. And I was just like, guys, cut it out. And I, you know, made jokes, blah, blah, blah. But then joke after joke after joke, they kept spoiling my setups by just talking and, and distracting everybody. And I just, I just, I snapped and just yelled, shut the fuck up. Uh, uh, I think I said something like, would you act like men or something insane? Uh, and I just continued and it was, the room was silent and then I got the crowd back and, you know, I felt like I finished strong, but I got off stage and I felt horrible, even though it totally needed to be done. And truth be told, I got off stage and thought, well, I'm about to get rolled in the parking lot. These guys are going to beat the shit out of me. And I sat at the bar and I got a beer and sure enough, after a while, a giant, you know, 20 year old walked over to me but he just said hey man you were right i'm really sorry about my friends and i was like hey thanks for saying so dude i didn't want to light into him but holy shit he goes yeah man they're so drunk they don't know where they are he's like yeah i guess stand-up comedy wasn't the right call i was like yeah man probably not <laughs> like bachelor and or bachelorette parties like don't take them to comedy clubs it's just because people don't want to they want to hang they want to talk they want to be loud and lively you know go to hooters or the library. Just don't go to a comedy club. Um, but yeah, so dude, uh, if you're you were embarrassed about talking to me, shit, man. It didn't even it didn't even get on the spectrum in terms of drunken, embarrassing behavior. And also, hey man, like last just for last festival, uh, that Saturday, I'd finished. I had I did I did a I did a tape TV set um, and did a bunch of shows and got a little lit myself. And was hanging out, and I saw Brian Regan, and I went over to him, and I was like, hey, man, just want to say you're such an inspiration. And I realized as I'm talking to him, I was like, oh, fuck, you're drunk as hell. And I was like, okay, I'm really wasted. I'm sorry. And he goes, hey, man, no problem. Thanks for saying something, saying nice things. You know, so it's, I've been there. I did what you did. So uh, all good. Okay, as per your questions, for, let's see, for the for the family thing, you know, I, I'm on my first marriage, so can't really say. Let you know when I'm divorced. Bam, bam kidding uh never getting divorced but um uh i would say i, I think 
you have to try try to set up as 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 open a schedule as you can, but also be fair to yourself. Don't do that shit where you're like, I really want to do it this weekend, so I'm only going to give them this weekend. I'll get I'll draw a weird analogy for you when you're casting a TV show. Uh, let's say you're a producer on this show, uh, and you have this one every every part, every big part, you have to submit casting options to the network, to the people that are ultimately in charge of signing the checks. So one thing they'll do sometimes, uh, producers will do, is you you have your number one pick, and then you also give them two picks you know they're not going to go for. Usually they see right through that, and they think you're a dick. So just be, you know, be careful. But, um, you know, don't do that thing where you're like, I could do this weekend, this weekend, or these three days, but I'm only going to give these three days because that's what I really, really want. Because that way you just kind of you set yourself for, up for failure. Obviously, you guys are raising kids together, even though you're not together anymore. So you got to kind of, you know, uh, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. But at the same time, if you can only do these certain days, you just just say that. Like, look, I've tried. This is all I have. You know, you know, please work with me. And that's got to be tough. So, um, you know, much respect to you. Um, as for the as for the the festivals, yeah. Look, the editing thing, I wouldn't do it, man, because it's kind of put it this way. There is at least there used there used to be a lot of animosity between stand up comics and what you'd call you know YouTube comedians because uh, you know like like a lot of comics, not myself, would would blanch at YouTube comment comedians calling themselves comedians. So, uh, uh, you know, one reason, because you can film somebody doing okay and then edit it so it looks, they're like, they look a lot funnier because comedy's timing. You can make things happen quick, fast, and boom, boom, boom. Uh, and in that case, it's kind of the editor being hilarious. Not that there aren't really funny people uh, doing comedy on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. But um, with stand-up, yeah, man, it's it's. I think what's happened is you you probably had a long set where you killed, and you want that. The thing is, people that are uh, at festivals aren't, you know, they're concerned with your stage presence and your material and your delivery. So, notice I didn't say they're concerned with someone absolutely destroying or concerned with the amount of laughter on the tape. They don't care. Uh, I've I've watched tapes where the person isn't doing too well, but their jokes were amazing, and I've booked them uh, for for uh, for Bridgetown. So, what I would do is go over that set, watch it yourself, and pick your favorite moments and or jokes, and you know put them together in like a four to five minute set, even shorter. You know, maybe I think the sweet spot is like you know four and a half or so, and just go do a short set and just do those jokes. So go do a set, knowing you're doing a short set. Uh, most places will be like, oh, yeah, you want to do five minutes? Do five minutes. Great. You know, everyone else is asking for 15. Just go do what you call a tight five and film it uh, and then send that in. You, you don't want it really, you know, uh, uh, interrupted with, with editing that gets to certain jokes. As much as it sounds like you really, really want to do that, it's just not going to leave the best impression. And the person's going to be like, oh, well, how funny are they just in in the in the in the time given you know that when it, when you watch someone's tape and it's edited like that you're like oh what did he did he lay an egg in the middle of the set what happened there um and uh yeah um 
And it's a, it's a good way to prepare for when you finally get your 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 break, when you finally get like a TV set. Uh, that is a set on a, on a show, you know, like Conan or uh, Tonight Show or, or, or what have you. Because uh, that's that's how much time you do on those shows, um, and that's why they're that's why they're tough. Because you don't have a lot of time, but you got to squeeze a whole lot of shit in there, and has to get past standards and practices, yada yada yada. But um, yeah, man, best of luck to you in uh, in Peoria, uh, home of Richard Pryor, and the Jukebox Club. I hope the Jukebox is still there. That guy was uh, the owner. I forget his name. Was like a like one of those just diehard proponents of of comedy and always always uh, treat you great. And it's a great little club. Um, last I heard, it was it wasn't doing great. I think they were doing like a GoFundMe or something like that. But uh, best of luck to them and to yourself, sir. Um, yeah, I. Uh, it's it's the, these last couple of days have just been just a, a banana bread uh, flaming train wreck well not not that bad but just oh it's nuts even just sitting here and just talking into a mic in uh in the studios i i am kind of reeling from not having to interact with anyone directly or not be on the phone i literally have a headache from being on phone calls with my wife this morning with uh all the people it takes to lock down a house you know uh, and 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 uh, before that, just been taping a bunch of stuff. Um, I got this. I booked this little uh, role on a on a pilot. So that's which is nice. Uh, but um, you know, had to go to get do a fitting and uh, uh, drive all over town, and then was going to do a recording with with <laughs> with someone, and and that I for this thing that a friend and I wrote, and uh, like four or five people dropped out for the same part because they were all sick. So. It's been nuts, and, the, and these are trust me, all good problems to have. These are these are what you call quality problems. But oh man, uh, my my wife and I are going to Boston for uh, for the the celebration of the birth of the Christ Child, and we're gonna spend a couple of days there before we go to her parents' house. And I am over the moon. You know, I just want to. You ever have a fantasy of a helicopter uh, just uh, flying you around while you you dangle? from the bottom of the helicopter in a hammock. Is that a thing? I would like a, a like a, a cord hung from a, you know, like a good strong tensile steel cable that uh, then splits into two things, like iron bars at a diagonal thing forming a triangle. And then on each end of that is attached to both ends of my hammock. And I would just lay in it with like a soda or something. And the helicopter just fly me over, you know, green fields. You know, maybe I could turn over in the hammock and, uh, you know, put my uh, wiener through one of the holes and just pee as I as I go by um, over the field. Then that sounds delightful. I got the idea from uh, these guys who uh, they they uh, move endangered black rhinos to places where they know hunt- hunters won't get at them, and they have to, you know, uh, tranquilize the rhino and then they attach it. They put it in like a big harness. They attach it to a helicopter and the helicopter. See this helicopter just flying when like 50 feet underneath it is a, is a, is a hippo that is basically like floating, just hanging from this cord by its, its, its middle midsection and legs. And they're upside down. Like, why do they have to fly all the rhinos upside down? Cause it's that extra ridiculous. Or like, look long as we're moving this giant fucking rhino, let's turn them upside down. Cause it'll be hilarious. And the guy's like, Greg, 
how did you ever get a job for the Wildlife Federation? Like, how did you get a job here? He's like, I don't know, man. I just, uh, I like rhinos and uh, wacky, wacky pranks. And that's why I filled your, uh, your, your bunk and uh, your sleeping bag with uh, rhino crap. So, enjoy. Um, I think we have time. We have one more call? We have two more. Okay, let's, let's do a call. Hi, uh, my name is Amberly Johnston, and I'm calling from uh, Portland, Oregon, which, if I remember correctly, is your hometown. Mine, too. One of the, one of the few Portland natives left. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I was wondering if I could get some advice. Uh, you know, Christmas is coming up and all that fun shit. And uh, I pretty much party and hang out with a bunch of uh, stoners all the time. So what do you think would be like a solid gift that I could kind of get for everyone? And if it makes it any easier for this question, I also work in a head shop called a House of Pipes, by the way. Super great. Um, so, like, I don't know if you have any advice or any good ideas on what I, I should do for Christmas for all my buddies. Uh, just uh, send them my way. Much appreciated. I hope you have a fantastic holiday season and uh keep on being you dude thank you amberly i think your name was amberly that's a cool ass name uh yeah what's up portland very cool um yeah i think uh it's it's funny this is this the first call we've gotten where anyone's uh, asking present advice that's a good one that's a good one uh well let's go with the obvious uh food so uh, if let's go with your what your what your spectrum is. Uh, if you're willing to spend around seventy five bucks, and that's a lot, I know. But if you have a a, a special somebody uh, in that group, I would go to I would go to Zingerman's uh, online. Zingerman's is a deli in Ann Arbor, Michigan that has the best food like of anything, like the best coffee cake, the best cheese, the best salami, the best all this stuff. And you get a what's called a weekender. It's a gift basket. I just sent one to my dad and they're they're just insanely good and it's just overloaded. It's really colorful too. But that's insane. You probably aren't selling that many pipes to have a $75 gift for somebody. Um so I would go you know, I would go, I would, I would, I would cheap it up. One of the best gifts I ever gave anyone was I, um, at one point, uh, was working with some, some guys and I made them each, uh, like white trash gift baskets. So I had like, um, some cold fried chicken and a, a tall, a tall boy, a patch blue ribbon and, uh, some moon pies. So you basically, but that's, you can do anything you want. Baskets are really cheap. Go to like um, a hobby place and buy a couple baskets and then just go fill them with bullshit. You know, a comic book, um, a dildo, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, just just nothing too perishable, but it's fun because you just get a little bit of, and you know, a little bit of plastic wrap and you just can kind of just wrap it up so it looks like it can. Oh, what is this? Pepperidge, Far- Pepperidge Farm? This looks delight, Or like Hickory Farms? This is, this is wonderful. It's full of dildos and a jar of pub cheese. What the fuck? It's fun and it's funny. You can put anything in that basket. So that would be my, if you, if you got real, if you got some dough to spend, go with Zingerman's. If not, make your own. Matter of fact, just make your own. It's a lot more fun that way. Uh, and go find uh, uh, where in Portland is that fucking oh uh, Japanese grocery store. Go to a Japanese grocery store and get like squid chips and like uh, just they have the and the, they have the best candy. Get like some get like some pockies, some pocky sticks, and just yeah, mix it up, make it fun. Uh, so let's do that last call. 
Hey, Matt, this is Dane from Montana. The holiday advice I was needing is what I should do for a three-year-old boy, and he loves Christmas, but I don't know if I should go chop down my own tree, buy one at a church or fundraiser, or if I should just go get a plastic one at Lowe's. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. Hey, Dane from Montana. Happy holidays to you, man. Thanks for calling. Um, You know, I would... Listen, I've done the chop your own tree down. It's a, it's a real bitch, and you got to go pretty far out. Maybe you don't have to go that far outside of town, but I just... I like going to... You know, I live, I live in L.A., and so I go to this gang outreach center, and they always have... Uh, you know, all kinds of trees, and the guy who picks your tree out for you is, you know, kindly and has a neck tattoo, so you're helping. Um, but I, I would do that. I would, you know, like, find find what, like, church or local organization near you has is, is helping uh, wayward youth or uh, people with addictions or whatever like that. And then that way you're kind of, it's in the spirit of Christmas, you know, and... and uh, and it's fun to take, you know, uh, like I used to take my young cousins with me and be like, all right, which tree? And it's great. Here's the fun part for you. Your kid will run up to the biggest tree and be like, that one. And you'll be like, that one's $60. Do you have $60? And he's like, no. And you're like, we're not getting that tree. And then you walk and get him. No, that's not the fun part. I'm kidding. Uh, you <laughs> you kind of you kind of teach him the value of money. But um, it's fun to see all. See, the, the great thing about that is they've already gone into the woods and they've chopped down every kind of tree you can imagine. And you get to. To, to pick your one. And so, yeah, I would I would definitely, definitely go to like an outreach place and don't chop your own tree and don't get a plastic one because here's the thing, even if the tree, you forget to water it, uh, like I know I have this year, uh, my tree is dry as a bone, um, it still won't be, you know, uh, as, as uh, the plastic ones are no, no good, man. And, and they kind of scare me because look, Kevin forbid your Christmas tree catches on fire. Okay. But if you're, pla- you know, you, you throw water on it, fire stinker. If your plastic uh, Christmas tree catches on fire, it's going to melt into something absolutely horrible. And, uh, yeah, so just perish the thought. But, um, yeah, have fun uh, with you and uh, you and your son. I'm assuming it's your son. I, I'm assuming you don't just have a three-year-old friend that, that your buddy's with because that's, uh, that's odd. Uh, but, um, yeah, best to you, Dane, and uh, have a great uh, Christmas in Montana. Hey, guys, uh, that's it for me. Um, if you haven't called in yet, uh, please do. Uh, the number, uh, for those of you who have not called in yet or who are th- thinking about it, and honestly, like, don't worry about uh, stupid questions, anything like that. I feel like we get all kinds of calls, and, uh, you know, I, I love the, the nice mix of sincere ones or funny ones or ones that are both. Very cool. So the number is 323-776-3609. That's 323-776-3609. Thanks to Feral Audio and everybody here. Thanks to my producer, Andrew. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. And uh, for, the, for, the, for the love of, of, of the sweet baby Jesus, do not shotgun eggnog. Just... Trust me, you you will have a mild heart attack if you do that. Please, please do not. Uh, this is me. Thanks.